Hello, friends. It's me, the president of Chickenlandia. Did you know that I have a new book that is now available for purchase? You heard that right. It's called Let's All Keep Chickens, The Down-to-Earth Guide to Natural Practices for Healthier Birds and a Happier World. It's now available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore, and more. For more information on how you can grab your copy, just click the link in the show notes. It's so exciting, I can barely handle it. Okay, on with the show. Welcome to Chickenlandia's 100% friendly podcast, Bok Talk. This show will help you learn all about how backyard chicken keeping can be fun, entertaining, and stress-free. Here's your host, the president of Chickenlandia! Hello, friends! Welcome to Chickenlandia, and welcome to Bok Talk, your 100% friendly backyard chickens show. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I, If you don't know... I am the president of Chickenlandia, (laughs) and I am a backyard chicken educator. Today, we're going to talk about how to keep your chickens healthy naturally. So I hope you get lots of good information today. Um, I am getting a lot of messages right now from people who are really concerned about keeping their flocks healthy, and that it's happening right now, especially because... You know, we're just getting past baby chick season. There's a lot of people that are new to keeping chickens this year. And uh, many of them are really worried because there's bird flu going around. So, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to give you guys some ideas and hopefully put your worries at rest uh, so that you can feel empowered and not stressed out. Okay, because that's always the goal. So I do have a listener question that I will be answering today. If you would like to submit a question to Bok Talk, you can go to my website, Welcome to Chicken Dance. La- <laughs> Let's start that again. <laughs> you can go to my website, Welcome to Chickenlandia.com, go to the contact section and click ask a chicken question. Okay. I get, I do, you know, I am going to say, I get a lot of questions and I can't answer all of them. And I certainly, you know, I try to answer some of them. I cannot do it in a timely manner. It's just not, it's just not possible. I just get too many questions. So if you have an emergency, I'm so sorry. I probably will not get to you in time. Um, but I do read them all and I love hearing from everybody. And you can also submit a chicken story. You know, if you don't have a question, you can go there and tell me, tell me your chicken story. Um, and you can join my mailing list. Definitely do that because there is a coupon for my course that you get when you join the mailing list. And my course is Backyard Chickens 101, a chicken course for everyone. It's a great course. So definitely do that. Okay. So I have two announcements today. You guys know I got to make these announcements because I got I got to pay those chicken bills. If I don't pay the chicken bills, the chickens don't eat and they get very cranky about that. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to let you know that this podcast was brought to you by the folks at My Favorite Chicken. My Favorite Chicken is my favorite online shop to get my feed. I get my scratch and pick feed there. It's non-GMO, organic 
socially responsible. Um, I get a lot of my chicken supplies there. I get my fun chicken things from there. And they also have some things that we're going to talk about. Like they have herbal supplements and those are great. They've they've got a really good one right now and I cannot remember the name. I'm going to put a link to it in the description and in the show notes, but it is, it's like an herbal immune booster and I've been using it and it's really great. So um, go check my favorite chicken out. That's uh, I will leave a link to that in the description and show notes. And also this podcast is brought to you by Small Pet Select. Small Pet Select is local to me, but they're an online shop that you can, if you're in the U.S., you can shop there. They have two products that I'm really into right now. They've got some really high quality pine shavings that smell wonderful (laughs) that I've been using. And they also have um, a product called Pet Greens. And that is just, it's like these sprouts that you grow in a bag and they're super easy and they're super fun and kids love to do it. And then you can like, you clip them off, feed them to the chickens um, and you can just keep like keep growing them in the bag. So that's a great product. I'm going to leave a link to them in the description and in the show notes Um, And there's other chicken products there too. So definitely check that out. Okay. So I want to start off by saying that as most of you know, I'm sure like all of you know, I am not the only backyard chicken educator that there is out there in this world. In fact, there are a lot of us. We're kind of a dime a dozen right now, Um, which is great. I actually love that. I love that there's lots, there's lots of people, there's lots of choices, there's lots of uh, information getting out there to people. But one thing that I, I really try to do, and I hope it helps to like earn trust from the people that watch me and listen to me is that I try to always just like keep learning. And, you know, I try to listen to what other educators say. And sometimes I don't agree with them. Sometimes I do agree with them. And sometimes they will change my mind. Like, I mean, that has definitely happened. And that's why I, I know that other people refer to me as an expert and I appreciate that. Like, of course I, you know, that's a little boost to my ego. I love to be, (laughs) I love being called a chicken expert, but I actually like, I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself an educator. And I think that it's, you know, my job is to continue to learn and to share that education that I get with you to share that with my audience. So the reason I'm telling you this is because I just want to encourage all of you to seek credible information wherever you can find it, especially right now. You know, we've just got with the bird flu thing going around. It's like, uh, you know, it's kind of a scary time for a lot of people. Um, You know, my niche and what I concentrate on is not just about keeping chickens, but also finding the, the, the meaning in it. Like that's actually really important to me. And understanding that, you know, it's the part of the cycle of life. It is part of the cycle of nature. And it is also something that is in almost all of our common ancestry, which is awesome. It's like, that's why I say chickens are humankind's most amazing common denominator, because it's true. It's like, there are very few cultures in the world that don't have chickens, you know, as part of their history. So, you know, one thing that I stress over and over is that humans have been do- humans have been keeping chickens 
for a really long time. It is it is in our DNA. It is part of who we are. So because of that, I will always say let's keep chicken keeping simple. Let's try to keep as as much as we can to keep it natural because you know this concept of natural chicken keeping it is not it, it's not new. There's nobody that is alive today that can say, you know, I'm the natural chicken keeping pioneer or I'm the one I'm the one that started natural chicken keeping like that's you know, you they may be responsible for like getting the information out there, getting a lot of the information out there in a big way, but natural ki- chicken keeping is chicken keeping because that's how we have always done it, you know, until very recently when we started, you know, doing a lot more preventative things, bringing a lot more synthetic uh, medications into the equation when we didn't do that before. Okay. So let's talk about how we can keep this simple age old practice of chicken keeping, how we can keep it simple and how we can keep it natural and how we can keep our flocks healthy with these natural practices. Okay, so I'm going to start out with a listener question. Uh, It came from Celia, and Celia said, Hi there. Hi, Celia. (laughs) I'm sorry if you've already addressed this, but I'd love to know if you are planning to tarp or cover your run with something impermeable due to highly pathogenic avian influenza in Whatcom County. So, you know, I live in Whatcom County and um, she sent me this after it had been reported that there was avian influenza in Whatcom County. And so a lot of people around here are like concerned about what they should do. I'm in Whatcom County, too, and I'm planning on keeping my hands in their covered coop area, but they are very grumpy about it. (laughs) That's the worst grumpy hands. I'm trying to find a solution to extend the area they have, and I would love to hear what you are choosing to do since I always find your advice so useful and level-headed. Thank you so much, Celia. You know, it's funny. I don't feel level-headed half the time. (laughs) Uh, You know, half the time I feel like I'm just (laughs) barely keeping it together. (laughs) But I try, and I try to give level-headed advice. That being said, this is a, a tricky question uh, for me to answer because I want I want to be honest about what I'm doing. Um, I want to be really responsible with how I answer this question. And I also, you know, I need to tell everyone that it, what it really boils down to is the level of risk that each individual person, each family, each flock is willing to absorb. Because everybody's situation is different. Even, you know, in Whatcom County, we all have different situations. Honestly, if you, you know, if you want to bring the chance of your flock, uh, you know, the chance of your flock contracting avian influenza as close to zero as you can, then, you know, you would want to cover your run and, and do everything that you can to keep uh, wildlife away from your chickens. But, and I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, <laughs> but I am going to say it because I feel like it's true. Um, when you're calculating risk, it's important to understand that blue- bird flu is not the only risk that your 
flock will face. Okay. In fact, there are lots of different, like even just, just respiratory illnesses. There are different respiratory illnesses that chickens can get. Like, you know, right now, if your chicken gets a respiratory illness, and even if you're in an area where there is avian influenza, if you have one chicken that gets it, I wouldn't jump like right away to, oh my gosh, we've got bird flu. Because especially like the bacteria where I live, the bacterial respiratory infections are very common. So, you know, just keep that in mind. And there's other types of illnesses and conditions that chickens can be at risk of acquiring. And some of those illnesses and conditions are more likely to happen to chickens that are in a more contained space and have less access to fresh air and less access to, you know, sunlight. Okay. So these are really important factors to consider. And, and, you know, I would encourage you to look at your, your individual area, you know, your unique space and consider those risk factors. If there's a way that you can cover your run and, you know, you can keep your chickens in an enclosed area that will still allow for them to have enough room, you definitely want them to have enough room and enough ventilation that is reasonable to make those changes, then you can make that decision. But I also think it's reasonable after calculating the risk to your personal flock, like, you know, like what's going on in, in your specific area, I think it's also a reasonable option for you to decide not to do that. Okay, now this is, you know, this is barring what local authorities say. So if your local authorities come out and make a rule that you have to do something, I'm not going to tell you to go against that. Okay, because that would be irresponsible of me. And I like having my platform. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's important. I will say that I'm not covering my run. I'm in Whatcom County. There's, you know, a few blocks away, there is a little, um, a little lake. It's called a lake, but it's like a pond. Um, and there is waterfowl in that lake. You know, I can hear geese flying over. I have my run covered the, uh, with netting, not with a tarp, but it's covered with netting. Um, so wild birds can't get in, but they, you know, I mean, they could fly over it. I don't really see geese like flying right over, <laughs> right over my run. So I am absorbing a certain level of risk. And I have, I've calculated that. I have thought about the stress that it would bring to me. I have thought about the stress that it would bring to my chickens. And I've made my decision and I am at peace with my decision. So, you know, I just hope that you can make that decision and then just feel at peace with it. And, and I also want you to know that the first year I had chickens there was avian influenza in Whatcom County, uh, very close to where I live. So this is not the first time it goes around. So uh, remember that as well, okay? And the, the number one thing I, I think is important for you to understand is that keeping chickens like completely sealed from nature and the many things that are in nature is is honestly, that's that's a futile effort because 
There's just no getting around the fact that, you know, even like in, in our all of our environment and even within us, there are all kinds of things. There's viruses, there's bacteria, there's parasites, there's there's fungi, you know, and these things, they can be adversarial in an unbalanced state. And, you know, there can be things that we definitely don't want in our environment and we have to be careful but we, these are also the building blocks of life. They are part of us and they are really part of a chicken's life. And we want them to be resilient. You know, we want future flocks to be resilient as well. So, you know, what I want for you to, is to not to be too worried about us exposing your chickens to nature and not to be getting stressed out and not to be letting your chickens get stressed out because that is not good. That's not good for their health. And you just need to remember that nature is where chick your chickens belong. They really belong there. And they really need that exposure, not just for your flock, but for future flocks. Okay. So, you know, we talk about the most important thing ha is really just having balance in your flock. And what I, I love talking about this because it also makes me, it reminds me that I need balance in my own life too. And I'm always just that person that's like looking at my chickens, looking at my flock, thinking about their care and thinking about how that reflects on me as a human and how I want to live my life. So definitely right now and always, no matter what is happening, but right now it's very important. You really want your flocks to live a balanced life. Okay. And I, I know I sound like a broken record. I say this stuff all the time. <laughs> But it's super simple. This is what we've been doing forever, okay? Like for thousands of years. We are going to support our chickens with good nutrition, okay? Um, well, we haven't been we haven't been doing that for a thousand years because <laughs> because you know the, for a long time chickens are just running around or whatever, and that's that's a pretty darn good life for a chicken. But for right now, what we're gonna do is we're gonna support our chickens with good nutrition. You want, you know, unfortunately, the way chickens have evolved, especially the chickens that we, most of us have in our flocks, they have very high nutritional needs because they lay lots of eggs. They've been bred to lay lots and lots of eggs. So they have these really high nutritional needs. So you want to make the majority of their diet their layer feed, okay, a good quality layer feed, uh, whatever you can afford. And some healthy scraps in their diet because you want them to get, you know, layer feed. Most of it is processed and they have to, you know, they heat it up really high. It loses some of its nutrition and that nutrition has to be added back in. So you want your chickens to get some fresh nutrition with some healthy table scraps. Okay. Healthy treats like, uh, you know, scrambled egg every once in a while, um, uh, grubs, mealworms, um, some healthy protein that your family is eating, um, and then also good supplementation. So you, you definitely, you will need to give your chickens grit. If they're in an enclosed run, they should probably have some grit if they can't get it in their natural environment. Oyster shell. And then we're going to talk about in a few minutes some herbs and, you know, some other things that we can give them. Uh, make sure your chickens have enough space. Two to four uh, square feet of space in the coop, at least, and that's per standard size chicken, at least 10 square feet of space in their run per standard size chicken, 
You want enough space on their roosting bars. Each chicken should have 15 inches of space. That's good. That seems like a lot, but they need to be able to get away from each other on the roost if they have to. Um, enough nesting boxes. That's one box per f- about four or five chickens. And if you're going to keep them in, the, in an enclosed run, make sure that they have some enrichment so that they don't get bored. And you can do that with like a flock block. You can hang a cabbage. You can give them extra perches. You'll want to give them dusting, you know, a dust bath, all these things. And if you've been watching my channel for a long time, I've been talking about all this stuff for a long time. And then lastly, you want to make sure that your their space is, is relatively clean. You do not want it to be sterile, okay? So, you know, having a sterile space for your chickens doesn't build resilience, but you want it to be reasonably reasonably clean with good ventilation and no ammonia buildup. Okay? And that's like half your battle right there. If you don't do any of the other stuff I talk about, like just doing that, that's really all you need. You know, everything else is just extra. Okay? Because with, you know, chickens, chickens are, they can live great lives just having these things. Okay, so there are a list of things that I use in my flock that I think they're just wonderful ways to support your chickens' immune systems. Um, these are not medications. I don't really believe in preemptively medicating your flock. And I, but I will say these things, they don't stop disease and they don't guarantee that you won't have disease in your flock. But I think they're really, you know, probably the best way, in my opinion, of avoiding disease as much as you can. And also when disease hits, you'll have a little bit of an upper hand and, you know, hopefully it won't be as devastating a situation as it would be without these things. And, you know, hopefully it wouldn't like affect your whole flock. Okay. So there's a group of items. I call I call them the the Fowl-tastic four in my course, <laughs> in my online course. I call them the Fowl-tastic four, and there's like a, a PDF that people can download about it. Um, and I hope I don't get a cease and desist from Marvel. Please don't send me that. <laughs> but anyway, and these are just some things that are very simple, like, you probably have them lying around your house that you can use to boost your chickens' immune systems and keep them healthy. So the first one is apple cider vinegar. And, you know, that's lots of people use it. People have been talking about it for a long time. People have been using it with their flocks for a really long time. And in fact, I'm drinking water right now with a little bit of apple cider vinegar in it because <laughs> it's good for people too. So the apple cider vinegar is just going to put, you know, first of all, it's going to keep their waters cleaner. It will keep, if there is disease, it will, it will slow down the spread of that disease. It will keep the environment in their crop, you know, more balanced, the bacteria in their crop more balanced. Um, and there's some other studies that show that it like helps to prevent things like coccidiosis. So very, very good things. The, the one thing I will tell you is don't use it. If there's a heat wave, that's when you need to stop using apple cider vinegar for a little while until the heat wave is over. And during the heat wave, you can like give them some electrolytes. Okay. Um, so apple cider vinegar, one teaspoon per quart for baby chicks. And you can start right when they're right when they're born. You can give them that. And you can carry that into adulthood. So one p- teaspoon per quart, that would be one tablespoon per gallon. 
And that would be a great practice for you to start now. And you can do it a few times a week. Um, you can do it more than that if you feel like you need to. But, but I, you know, I, I usually do it a few times a week. Garlic has too many benefits for me to <laughs> name right now. It's got lots and lots of benefits. It's another thing that people have been giving to their chickens for a long time. So you can add one-fourth a clove um, per quart of water for the ba- for your baby chicks after they're about one or two weeks of age. I would wait and make sure that they're drinking well and everything before I introduce it. Um, and a lot of people will do like, a course of electrolytes at the beginning when they get their babies, um, electrolytes, vitamin, probiotics. And so I would do that course first and then start with the garlic. And you can combine that with apple cider vinegar. It can be added to their water. You can, for adult chickens, you can cut a clove in half and put it, you know, one clove per gallon of water. Or you can mince it up and like mix it into their into some scrambled eggs or something or into their fermented feed and give that to them. Okay. And that will be very good for their systems for a number of reasons. So there are lots of herbs that are great for chickens. And there, you know, there are herbal formulas that you can buy, like pre-packaged herbal herbal formulas. There's dried herbs that you can buy. Scratch and Peck has one. That you can mix into their feed. I think it's called Cluckin' Good Herbs. <laughs> they have the best names. And then there are some that you can put into their water. And there's one that I'm using right now. And I I cannot remember the name of it. I can't remember the name. I feel so bad. Um, because if the company's watching this, they're probably like, oh my gosh. Why does she remember the name? But it's sold. It's from. It's sold on the My Favorite Chicken website. And it's, it's like an immune boosting herbs for chickens. And that's a really good one. I, I've been using that lately and the chickens like it. The ducks drink it too. And it's just got a lot of great herbs in it. And some of them are like, you know, to prevent parasites, to uh, boost immunity and just very, very good herbs for your chickens. Um, but if you don't want to buy and I, I will leave a link to that in the description and in the show notes. But if you don't, if you don't want to buy anything, or if you don't want to spend that much money, you can you can just give your chickens the top two herbs, I think, you know, in the interest of just keeping it simple. The top two herbs that I recommend are oregano and thyme. And you can like, you can grow those. They're super easy herbs to grow at home. Or you can just use the ones like you, you, you know, you if you buy, time, you know, oregano or thyme to cook for your family, and you have that le- some of that left over, you can give that to your chickens. Um, so grow it, buy it, and then, you know, grow it or buy it and then dry it <laughs> and, and crumble it up and you can put it in your chicken's feed or you can even just feed it to them fresh or you can grow it in your, if you, um, if you have chicken salad bars and that's not chicken salad as in like the chicken salad that you eat, <laughs> but actually like chicken salad bars in your run. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'll probably do a video about it soon, a new video about it soon. Um, And I will post that in the description, the show notes when it comes out. But I do have an older video about it and I'll put that in there as soon as this is over. So it basically what it is, is it's like a little protected area. It's like a, um, a raised bed that 
where you're growing things and these things are like coming up through hardwire mesh so the chickens can walk on it and they can eat the um, the greens that are coming up through the hardwire mesh, but they can't pick and scratch in it and just like completely destroy it or eat the seeds before they can even grow, you know, <laughs> which you know will happen. So people that are keeping their chickens in an enclosed run, this is a great way to get some good nutrition into them. So anyway, I will... I will leave that in the description and show notes for you, some more information about that. And you can give you can give these to your baby chicks. You can dry it and just sprinkle it around their brooder. You can give them a, a fresh little bit of these herbs so that they can play with it um, and hopefully eat a little bit of it. But these are really good immune-boosting herbs that have a, just so many benefits that, you know, for me to like list them right now would take a long time. So these are the things that I suggest for you. They're the things that I turn to, you know, when I, and I will tell you, I have illness in my flock a lot because I have a pretty open flock. Like I take in rescues and some of these rescues are coming from areas that aren't great. And even the ones that are coming from great loving homes, they can bring pathogens in that they may be immune to, but my flock isn't immune to. So I feel like I'm always dealing with something, you know, <laughs> and sometimes it's just like, oh my God, it's another thing, you know, but these are the things that I turn to that help me to feel just like, okay, I can do something about this. And just remember that this is all part of the cycle of life. This is all part of nature. And I'm doing something that, you know, makes me feel happy. And I hope that th that these things can help you to feel happy and not stressed out because that's not what chicken keeping is about. <laughs> We're supposed to make our lives better. Okay. So I hope that's helpful to you. Uh, Celia, thank you so much for your question. And I am going to now open up the chat for questions. Okay, D2719611 asks the question, I have chicken wire over chain link. Is that sufficient? So I will tell you that, you know, I think during the day, you, would you will likely be fine with that. It really depends on your setup, but you will likely be okay with that during the day. You know, chicken wire is, I wish it wasn't called chicken wire. Because it is very easy. It, you know, really what it's meant for is to keep chickens in, but it's not meant to keep predators out. Because a, a raccoon can rip right through chicken wire. Now, since you've got the chain link there, that's another like barrier for them. Um, depending how big your run is, it's possible for chicken, for a raccoon to like reach into, reach through chain link. And grab a chicken, um, which is awful, but it has happened. And chickens aren't, like, when they get really scared, they'll just, like, freeze. And they won't move. And that, you know, that leads to raccoons having a very easy time grabbing them through the chain link. Uh, the other animal that can get through chain link is, like, weasels. And they can be really destructive. I think weasels will probably have a harder time getting through the chicken wire. What I just, what I tell people... Because I, it's expensive. Like, of course, hardwire mesh is like the best thing that you can get. Like, that's the best material that you can use 
and I'm calling it hardware hardware mesh. I always call it hardwire mesh. <laughs> hardware mesh is like the best thing that you can use for predator proofing. But it's more expensive and chicken wire is just so much more affordable. So what I like to tell people is is that the more barriers you can create, the better. And then at night, you want to lock them up in a, you know, a predator proof coop like that. That is like it. you need to think, OK, can a two year old get into this coop? Because if a two year old can get into it, can figure out how to get into it, a raccoon can get into it. And a raccoon is uh, stronger than a two-year-old, especially an adult male raccoon. They're pretty big and they're really strong and they have like thumbs. I call them the monkeys in the Northwest. <laughs> so I think you're doing well to like not just have the chain link, but also have the chicken wire over the chain link. And, you know, just think of ways that you can create barriers to make it harder and, you know, make it longer of a process that a predator has to get through to get to your chickens, because that's going to, you know, the more time you can buy, the better. Okay. So, um, I hope that helps. So Lee Archer asks, what can we do about USPS killing chick shipments? Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is that shipping chicks is a, it's just a, it's just, it's tough. You know, it's tough. Um, and this is not an excuse for USPS, but if you can imagine a day old little animal going through the mail, that situation is really, really stressful. And then, you know, when it comes to the mail, things happen. And I, I know about these things because I used to own a farm store. And this is one of the reasons why I was like, I'm never owning a farm store again because the ship, the ship, the, chick shipment thing i didn't like i didn't love that you know because you know there would be a sh bad shipment every once in a while and it's just really devastating i think if it's possible for you you know the best thing that you can do would be to try and find chicks locally and you can find like a, a hatchery if you can find a hatchery a local hatchery that will sex the chicks for you or a breeder that is able to do that, then I think that would be better. You know, going after USPS, I really don't know the first thing, you know, that you could do to try and combat that because I think it's just the nature of sending animals through the mail. It is possible, like if you find a, you know, maybe just like the next state or over or the closer to you that you can find a hatchery, even if you have them chipped, then they're just going to go less of a distance, okay? So if you're on the West Coast, try and find some a hatchery on the West Coast. If you're on the East Coast, try and find somebody there. If they're in your state, that's even better. If they're in your, in your county, that's even better, okay? So the closer that you can get them, um, the better. But I'm, it's awful. It's just so awful to open a box and, and you know, find... Oh, uh, baby chicks that really didn't get a chance. That's awful. So my heart goes out to anybody having that experience. Spirit Drummer asks, how do you handle rain getting into the run? So, I mean, I think it's natural for rain rain to get into the run. Like it, But if your run is small and you're dealing with mud, then that becomes a problem. 
Um, make sure that you have areas and if, you know, you can build little areas or you can put little dog houses or whatever in your run where chickens can get out of, you know, from under the elements, obviously they can go into their coop. But if you're getting lots of rain and you're ending up with a lot of mud, one short term way to handle that would be to go and get some wood pellets, like some horse pellet bedding and pine pellets for horses. The other thing you can get is like pure pine cat litter. And you just want to make sure it's 100% pine. You don't want it to have anything else in it, just pine. And they, they sell it in these pellets. Um, and if you can put that as the bedding of your run. And you can start out using it sparsely because um, it soaks up a lot of moisture and then it expands. So if you can sprinkle it around your run, see how that deals with the moisture and the rain um, and the smell, it will help with that. Then that should help with like mud. But you could put, you know, I mean, if you have a small run, you could put a tarp over your run and just make sure it's at an angle so that it's not like pooling a whole bunch of water in it that's just going to like dump out <laughs> at any moment. I hope that helps. I do have a video about muddy runs and I will, you know, how to fix a muddy run. And I will put that in the description and in the show notes. I actually have a few videos about them. Twist Your Stitch asks, can brand new baby chicks sleep in a dark room or do they need a nightlight? I have a brooder plate for heat. Okay. Um, they can sleep in a dark room. They don't, you know, they don't need to have light at night. They don't need to be eating at night. They can be asleep at night. That's how they would be if they were with their mother hen. They would be in the coop under her sleeping at night. Uh, one thing that can be a little uh, hard on baby chicks is when they're in a brooder. I mean, they, when they have like the uh, the heat plate in their brooder and there you go in, it's night, you go into the room and you turn out the light and it's just like lights out, right? Just like that. And they don't have that time to like go under the brooder for for, you know, so that they can go to sleep for the night. And it's really disorienting toward it to them. Um, and you'll hear them, they'll cry. They'll be like, what, what the heck is going on <laughs> in chick speak? So uh, one thing you can do if you do have a nightlight, you can turn off the main light and leave the nightlight on for a little while so that it gets dark. And then they know to like go under, they can still see so they can go under the brooder plate and go to sleep. Um, the other thing that you can do is you can turn out, you know, if you have windows in the room, you can turn out the light when it's still light outside and then they'll get that nice natural dusk. That's even a better option. Okay. So yes, they, they don't need, they don't need, to, they can sleep in a dark room at night. <laughs> okay. Uh, Debbie's delight asks, uh, she says new chicken mom here. I bought a coop and run from Facebook marketplace. Now I'm having trouble getting it level. Is it okay to have it unlevel? Um, I would say that depends on the, you know, it depends on your specific area. But, you know, one thing I'll tell people, you, you, you probably just aesthetically want to have, and also for the chickens, like you don't want them to be in like this Dr. Seuss house where they're like, they're trying to nerd, they're trying to, uh, you know, get on a perch and, and the whole house is like this on sideways. Uh, a little bit unlevel, I mean, that, that would be fine. But what I do tell people is it's actually a, a good idea that if the run 
is on, on a slight slope, depending on depending on your yard. But you know, a lot of times that slight slope will help with um, with mud. Like it just uh, you know the 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 rain won't puddle so much. You won't get flooding because uh, the drainage will be better in your yard. So it depends. It really depends on on how your yard you know how your yard is. In Chickenlandia, the old Chickenlandia, uh, Chickenlandia point, uh, point oh, I don't know, 1.0, <laughs> it, it was on a bit of a slope, but th- there was like chickens, that they, they create um, erosion over time. So they, they like dug all these holes. And so I dealt with mud a lot. So um, I wouldn't worry about it too much if it's just a little bit unlevel you know, aesthetically, you might not like it. You might want to put some gravel down to level it out. But the run, I wouldn't worry about it being, you know, level. It's okay if the run is unlevel. I hope that helps. So guys, uh, thank you so much. I know I didn't get to everyone's question and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry we didn't have a moderator today. Uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know why I didn't get a moderator. People are just busy. You know, it's beautiful outside. So, um, but I, I really appreciate you all being here. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, I want to thank my co-producer, Kelsey Paulus, who is on vacation, a, a much deserved vacation right now. She's uh, also known as the Chickenlandia presidential advisor. Thank you to Talking to Crows for editing this episode and to Double M Ranch for their wonderful podcast art. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. It really helps. It really, really helps. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Uh, or give it, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, give me a thumbs up. That helps a lot too. But the one thing that you can do for me that is more important than all of this other stuff is you can remember that you are always welcome in Chickenlandia. Bye guys. Dahlia Monterosso, also known as the president of Chickenlandia, is a backyard chicken educator in Northwest Washington. To submit your question to Bok Talk, visit welcometochickenlandia.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.